0: Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask, maybe you uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it.
1: You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com.
0: EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one.
1: And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well.
0: Right. Now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes, along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month.
1: If you like the show, help keep us on the air
0: and become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today.
1: And thank you.
2: Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: Tonight, many people see new and strange things in New Orleans, but one couple have a particularly touching Experience A practical joke was all that was needed to clear up a confused ghost. During a life-threatening blizzard, a stranded motorist decides to follow his instincts and not to follow the man in black. And a dark presence seems to follow a boy from one home to another. Could this spirit have attached itself to him? Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruschi joining you. Once again, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Great. I enjoyed the freaky picture of our dog that you uh, just texted to me. We should put <laughs> that up on the website or yeah. on Facebook, on the Real Ghost Stories Facebook. Um, because it was, it was great. It was one of those you know, animal shots where their eyes are glowing uh, you know, like they're demons yes. of some sort right in front of the Christmas tree. But there's special meaning to it today.
1: Well, Lena, the ghost dog, got spayed today, mm-hmm. so she's not been feeling real good, and I just wanted to take a picture of her, and when I did, she looked at me just right. The flash made her eyes glow really, really, like, neon yellow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's good. It looks like they took out her soul, too. <laughs> that,
0: would be, that would be a great prank phone call. <laughs> To the vet? Yes, to the vet as a concerned dog owner. Yeah, you know, when I brought her in here today, I just want to make sure that you only did what we were supposed to do. You know, we had her spayed um, and you put a microchip in her, but I just took a picture of her and her eyes were glowing. Did you by any chance remove her soul? (laughs) (laughs) Just very straightforward and dry and just see how they go. I, I, I don't know, but why else would her eyes be glowing? Well, ma'am, uh, dogs eyes do that in in pictures. Well, this one never did, so I'm just concerned that she lost her soul. Is it? If you did, can you go check? <laughs> can you in just go in che- a jar. He's go check with a technician and make sure that they didn't accidentally take her soul out too. Well, we, ma'am, we we can't remove souls. Well, just just check. <laughs> just be very very adamant.
1: I like my vets too much <laughs> to do that to them.
0: <laughs> Could you put it back in if if you did? I wonder how that whole conversation would go. That would be wonderful. That's something I would have done on my radio show when I was about 15 for a prank. Damn, that would have been a great prank phone call. A
1: 15-year-old boy should never have open airways.
0: Oh, there are so many things I did. So many prank calls that I made. And every day, I mean, it got difficult because you, you run through the gamut of, like, normal ones. And eventually you have to get, like, really super creative with ideas for prank phone calls because you just go through all the normal things. And it gets difficult, to think up concepts of what you're going to do and who you're going to talk to and what you're going to say. That's what I never thought of. (laughs) Damn. All these years later. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to uh, call in your real ghost story to us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We would absolutely, positively Love to hear it. Of course, you can always write in through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's kick off the show this evening with a letter from Sam. Sam writes in, hey guys, I'm a new listener to your podcast and have really enjoyed hearing from real people that have gone through things that they cannot explain. I'm so excited that I finally have a venue to tell my story, so thank you for that. In my life, I've had many encounters with the paranormal, both in my home and in my everyday life. I suppose you could call me somewhat sensitive, or I'm just a magnet for things. I don't really know. All I know is that there are things that have happened throughout my life that I cannot explain. I suppose, I suppose instead of going right for my childhood doll terror, I'll start with what happened most recently. My then-boyfriend, now-husband, and I decided that we were going to go on a trip to New Orleans to celebrate our six-year anniversary. New Orleans is one place I've always been interested in seeing due to its rich history and culture. One of the first things that we did while we were there was to go on a cemetery tour with Bloody Mary Ghost Tours. She took us to many of the most active cemeteries and also told us some very spooky stories. And it it is all fine. Then she took us to a not-so-well-known cemetery that is, usually, that is usually for the locals who take care of their own dead. It was one of the strangest places I've ever been. All of the graves were either not well-marked or were plastered in various home items like dolls, cups, plastic lawn items, etc. Many had caution tape and lawn chairs, and it all seemed like a new level of creepy. Caution tape? What would that be? Just to, just to keep, essentially, the tour groups away?
1: Well, that or just to mark off where somebody's buried.
0: Sure. This is something you don't normally see at a gravesite. Well... Unless it's a fresh one.
1: Hear hear the rest of her description of the graveyard. Okay,
0: continuing on. Essentially, the families are the ones that dig the graves and make the markers, which is strange when you look at all the normal graves in New Orleans that are above ground and in giant mausoleums. As if New Orleans needed any more help being haunted, we add this unorganized cemetery to the mix and you have a hotbed for an encounter with with a spirit. To put this into perspective, we were told by Mary that if the family that buries the person does not keep up with the grave, the new person will clean out said grave and throw away their bodies. Jesus. Really?
1: I don't know that for fact.
0: So it's like... Let's say all your relatives die And no one can come take care of the grave Oh, there's an open space This one looks like it hasn't been used in a while Yeah Where did they throw away the body to? I don't know Continuing on Human jerky
1: That's gross
0: Yes it is, that's extremely disturbing
1: Why did you say that?
0: (laughs) Because I'm just trying to think of what you do with the body Human jerky it's all in the street corner. I know this was brought home when we looked in the dumpster and found a femur bone. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so this does happen.
1: Apparently so, yes.
0: But I digress, they say. As we're walking around this graveyard and hearing the stories that she was telling us, I kind of noticed a slight burning sensation to my right forearm. I ignore it for most of the time we were walking around. However, the burning sensation increases and we begin to make our way out of the graveyard. I looked down to figure out what this pain is, only to find four small red puncture marks that looked like someone who grabbed your arm and dug nails into the skin. My hands started to shake in fear, and I showed my husband what had happened. He pulled me over to Mary and showed her the marks, and she just nodded seriously and knowingly. We took a picture of the marks as proof to ourselves that these things are real. This is physical proof. I've heard ghostly voices, I've seen things move on their own, I've... Sense things, but never have I been touched before. I'm not sure why this happened, but I have a theory or two. One of my theories as to why me and my left arm, the next day my husband proposed to me. Maybe they were somehow trying to acknowledge the fact or something. Maybe they knew something. What do you all think? I have many, many more stories for you, and also I have stories from my husband and his family who always seem to have some sort of spiritual encounter happening. Thank you again for your wonderful podcast. I hope you enjoyed my story, Sam.
1: I don't know if they could sense that he was going to propose or knew that was his intent, but either way, something wanted your attention, and that's just (sighs) creepy.
0: I I wonder why they wanted your attention, though.
1: Maybe because they could sense that she was more sensitive and that she, uh, probably the whole group would be the one that would pick up on that.
0: Were they warning you about the proposal?
1: I think they were just like, we're here, you know? Just I kind of like making a grab at proving their existence.
0: Okay. That's just disturbing about... I'm still kind of stuck on that they dig other people up and move them out.
1: Now, I don't know that that is fact. We're just going sure. on what Sam says. Sure. And I have no reason not to believe so, her.
0: like, limited room in these cemeteries and they're, like, hot properties? It's like a...
1: Well, one of the things about the New Orleans <clears throat> area is the water table's very high. That's sure. why most of the graves are above ground. Yeah. So, I would imagine that there probably is a limited amount of space.
0: For ground burial?
1: That or yeah. any kind of, yeah. you know preservation of the deceased loved one
0: creepy Wonder if someone else can enlighten us more on that if that's true maybe confirm it or debunk it if that's the case but I don't know Uh, that's that's disturbing I'm not saying that this is in any way a a fake story I'm just disturbed
1: yeah yeah (laughs) that's
0: that's all Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you like the show, tell a friend about it if you would. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter to our show. Tell your friends you enjoy it. Maybe share a link to a favorite episode or something like that. All all that stuff helps us grow. It helps other folks know about the show. Brings in more listeners, and we greatly, greatly appreciate the support. Uh, Dean writes in, before I start my story, I'd like to tell you a bit more. I had my first encounter of a demon at the tender age of four thought it scared the hell out of me. It also stirred up my interest in the supernatural at an early age. My grandmother and I were very close, even being my best friend, for she was always there to answer any question with truthful sincerity. Many years ago, my grandmother had a near-death experience and told me about it when I was quite young. She told me she, being Catholic, was given her last rites from a priest, but after traveling through a long tunnel was told by her loved ones that she couldn't stay. So she returned, telling me years later, adding to the story that there were two things she learned, along with the joy and happiness she felt, she was told to go to church and read. So I, at an early age, began to read anything and everything, and in, by my early teens had established a strong relationship with God. Needless to say, I've become very spiritual through my years and have developed a deep compassion for those who have died and are earthbound for whatever reason. Now my story, just recently I had an experience, one I'll never forget. My 14-year-old son, uh, being the prankster that he is, and knowing my belief in ghosts, called my phone that said, unknown caller, claiming to be a young child who had lived in my house 100 years ago. He also said he was scared of something, chasing him, and asked me for my help. He then said, he's coming, and hung up. Minutes later, he calls again, asking for my help again. I told him to run to the light as fast as you can and not to worry about whomever was after you. Just want to pause for a second. Could you imagine if you were in a public place and you happen to be overhearing someone having this conversation? <laughs> I'm going to do this the next time we're at a fast food restaurant.
1: I love that the dad played along. And yeah. he was like, okay, well then go to the light, you know.
0: I'm going to I'm gonna do this next time we're at a restaurant. Hello? Hello? my god it's that dead child go to the line and make it just just loud enough not like yelling but just enough so i know the person who's kind of creeping in on the conversation and the booth next to us is hearing the whole thing
1: just don't do it at a restaurant i want to go back to okay
0: hey that's how we can like make sure we don't go back to restaurants again that we know are bad for us no do it at every fast food restaurant in the city Continuing on, I then told him he would find his mother and all his loved ones waiting for him. He once again hung up the phone. I then immediately texted my oldest son to share what had just happened. He responded with his text, and before I could respond back, there were words already typed. Why the phone? I know I didn't type them, so I was very confused. I had suspected there was a ghost of a woman in the house, for I've smelled perfume on numerous occasions... The next day I questioned my 14-year-old and his friends if they had made the phone calls in the night before and after a while they both admitted that they had done so. I said okay and left it at that. Just another practical joke. Later that day around dusk I received another unidentified call with some deep raspy male voice screaming at me in an unknown language. I then yelled back, "What?" Whoever it was then hung up, calling me back seconds later repeating the same message but this time screaming. This time I didn't respond for I was terrified and feeling tremendous goosebumps. As it hung up, I knew that the call was real, but it wasn't human. My 14-year-old was home when it called, but I had to ask him if he or any of his friends were playing around again, but he swore he had nothing to do with them this time. Hours later, about 1.30 a.m. the next morning, I went to the bathroom to take care of business, and just as I raised the lid on the toilet, I hear a woman's, vo- woman's voice say, Thank you. Now, I made all the sense in the world. She was the earthbound woman whose perfume I'd smelled. She had heard what I told my 14-year-old to run to the light on the phone and had typed why the phone on the text because she had already heard the message. She then ran towards the light escaping the demon that had been chasing her. That's my most recent experience. However, I have many more if interested. Let me know.
1: Okay, so she essentially was eavesdropping and that's how she got the message of what she needed to do. And the demon was mad.
0: It's a lot of dots to connect. Well, I suppose. I mean, there's really no right or wrong, but I, it's a, I guess the most logical assumption you can make of in a fairly illogical situation.
1: Yeah, I think those—that's the connection that he made out of it. Okay. So, I don't know. I think it is. Yeah. You know, he's saying out loud. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't she pick up on that?
0: I always just assume that you open the toilet seat and that somebody says thank you. They just were thanking you because. After you were done, they wanted to use it, too. (laughs) Does anyone ever have ghost droppings? Huh? Yeah, like, you didn't go to the bathroom. No one in your house went to the bathroom, but you go in the bathroom, and the toilet is full and not flushed.
1: That's just gross, and nobody has that.
0: I don't know. I, I could see that, you know, when you have, like, real demonic dark things, there's a lot of stories that come out where that sort of stuff happens, except it's not like found in the toilet. It's like smeared on walls or the scent is there or things of that nature. So it does somewhat happen.
1: Okay, but that's not, not, a, that's not what you described. That's not. No, like, I described
0: a polite one.
1: Yeah, where somebody goes yeah. and forgets to flush.
0: By the way, the title of today's show is... No, I'm
1: Let's move on from that. Ghost
0: droppings. 855 853-4802 is our phone number. Mandy writes, and I'd like... To first start out by saying that I believe I myself am haunted. I've had several paranormal experiences all my life and I'm not that surprised when something happens. The experience I'll share is one of my scariest experiences and involved a spirit following me for several years. I met a group of people in Arkansas and we started to hang out on a regular basis. The paranormal eventually came up in a conversation, so they told me about a cabin they had previously visited and had several paranormal experiences. Their experiences involved EVPs and seeing an apparition of a woman. Let's stop and say that the woman apparition coincides with the history of the property. The apparition that I encountered had no record of being on this property, so after hearing about this place, I had to go. So one weekend, I and three or four people loaded up in our buddy's Jeep and headed down a long, dark gravel road. The closer we got to the cabin, the more run-down the houses looked. We arrived in the parking lot, I guess you could call it. The parking lot is basically a round area, cleared of trees with gravel put down. We all crawled out of the Jeep and stood around for a few minutes, casually talking. One of the guys was a gun enthusiast, and saying we were in the boondocks, it didn't bother me that he had a pistol. We were out in the middle of the woods and could have run across a wild animal, so to get to the cabin, you had to walk about three fourths of a mile down a path. While walking down the path, I was told the history of the property, which I'll share now. The property used to be a resort camping ground and used to have multiple cabins. Two brothers fell in love with the same woman. The woman only loved one of the brothers. When she told the other brothers she didn't love them, he flipped. He shot both the woman and his brother and then hung himself. The legend is that if you shoot the gun on the property, you'll hear a woman scream. So after hearing this creepy tale while we were making our way to the cabin, it made me a little nervous. When we made it to the cabin we walked in and was were given a tour of the place. I didn't get any bad feelings until I walked into the kitchen. I instantly got cold chills and slowly backed out of the room. The cabin was modest with one bedroom. The bedroom had a screen door on it for some reason, a living room and a kitchen. We went into the bedroom where there was a dining room chair and chairs. We sat down and turned off our flashlights. We all just got quiet and listened. We heard the screen door of the cabin open and soft footsteps on the wood floor. My stomach dropped and none of us made a peep. Then we heard small, short steps run across the floor towards the screen door of the bedroom. One of my buddies leaned forward to see who or what was out there. He slowly leaned back and he looked like he had literally seen a ghost. He then said, one of my worst fears, there's a little girl standing out there and she's making her way to the door. Creepy kids in horror movies are one of the few things that give me the creeps. At this point, I wanted to run out of the cabin, but I thought we should ask if we could leave. So we decided to ask her to knock, once for no and twice for yes. One of the guys asked, and we only heard one knock. I asked if we could leave, and we're sorry for disturbing her. She knocked once, and then a few seconds later, we got a second knock. We all bolted out of the cabin with one of the guys yelling, Run! My buddy with the pistol shot the pistol in the air, and all of a sudden we heard an ear-shattering scream throughout the whole stretch of woods we were in. It sounded like it was in surround sound. We ran to the jeep and sped off. I was told that the little girl had never been seen at the cabin. I thought it was because I was the only girl there. Maybe it was a woman's presence that brought the girl out. But I was told other girls had been at the cabin, and no little girl ever made an appearance. So when I got home, I continued to hear strange noises, like giggling and muffled talking. This continued for several years and then just disappeared. I never saw the little girl, but my friend saw her that night and said she was one of the most terrifying spirits he'd ever saw. He told me she looked like she was waterlogged, maybe from drowning, and her face looked like it had been cut off and then sewn back on in pieces. I feel this was more of a negative energy, taking the form of something innocent. I'm not sure, but it was one of the scariest things I've ever experienced.
1: I wonder why it would follow her for years and then leave. Maybe it found somebody else to follow?
0: Yeah. um, Sometimes maybe, I mean, she didn't really allude to how you know, the reaction was when it would make itself known. I could see a spirit just getting frustrated eventually if it's not getting a, a reaction or, or giving into it mm-hmm. and really giving it the recognition that it was just moving on, especially if it's like a demonic force or a demon or something that kind of had the negative feeling to it. Yeah. Of, okay, at some point, this is going nowhere. I'm just going to go after someone else. If they're limited, you know, to one person at a time
1: sure I don't know
0: I don't know just a thought 855-853-4802 is a phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you would like more Real Ghost Stories, please become an EPP. That's a way that you can not only get a bonus episode of the show every single week, but you're also supporting the show and keeping it alive. Without the support of our EPPs, this show would not be continuing on. So if you enjoy the show, you like it, and all the shows uh, every single day, Monday through Friday of the week, Please support the show. You'll get those for free, of course. But you'll also get a bonus episode for the weekend. Tied you over with some of the best ghost stories that we get in every week on that EPP episode. So please become an EPP. You will not regret it. I've heard nothing but good things from EPP members. Honestly, I've had nobody ever complain. It's always, we absolutely love these stories and look forward to the EPP thing every week. So sign up for real Ghost Stories online. Click Become an EPP. Five bucks a month and you get all those extras. Uh, let's go to a caller at eight five five eight
2: five three forty eight zero two. Hi. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Sam here. I wrote in uh, yesterday, actually, and I've been kind of marathoning your episodes. Um, and it just got me thinking about my past uh, stories. And I wanted to share another one with you. Um, this one happened at, uh, the, the college I went to, um, I won't say college because I'll tell you why later, but, <laughs> um, <clears throat> this particular story starts when I was a freshman in college and in orientation, they tell freshmen the story of the ghost, Maggie,
1: who on,
2: the hallways of biology building and you know I figure they do that just to scare all the freshmen so I really never paid any mind to it. Well fast forward to my junior year and I had recently got a job in the lab of the biology department. Biology is my major and I usually will take care of any of the needs of the students or and I clean beakers and I'm usually there at night by myself till pretty late um, never bothered me but this particular time I had you know kind of weird feelings the whole night. I was by myself and I was in the back cleaning beakers and listening to my iPod and just kind of minding my own business. When all of a sudden, I get this weird feeling, a feeling that has been familiar to me. It's like a sinking in your stomach and the hair on the back of your neck that stands on end. and all of a sudden, I hear this whispered, hi, it was really quick and it felt like it was right in my ear and it had to have been pretty loud because I was wearing earphones. I turn around, and I rip off my earphones thinking, okay, somebody's talking to me, but there was nobody there. And I run around trying to find somebody, and the hallway runs in a big circle. I run around, and I'm the only one on the floor. There is nobody there. Terrified, I call my then- Uh, boyfriend and I'm in tears and I don't know what to do because I have to go back in that place and I have to go grab my keys which is still in the back of that building well this is where the story gets kind of interesting after that whole incident um, I don't really tell anybody but after the incident my boss later tells me about these boxes that are on the top shelf above all of the beakers. And, you know, I was there wondering what they were and then she goes, well, these are from the 70s and they're a bunch of old bones that we don't really know what to do with and she told us not to tell anyone and because uh, they, they didn't really know how to dispose of them. So... <laughs> In theory, this could have been the whole uh, cause of said haunting, not this Maggie ghost or whatever. I don't, I can't really explain what happened, but I have had lots of experiences with uh, the paranormal and the ghosts that, that I'd love to tell you. Um, I grew up in a haunted house, and my uh, husband and his parents have uh, had lots of cool ghost experiences. Anyways, um, I hope you like my story and uh, I hope that you can use it on your show and uh, keep up the good work. I just became an EPP uh, subscriber and I will call in it or write again. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.
1: And thank you, Sam, for your call. Um, For our listeners, this is the same Sam that had the story from New Orleans at the very beginning of the show. So... Lots of stories there.
0: Yeah. Lots yeah. of
1: bone-related stories there. <laughs> it's disturbing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting town. One that uh, we definitely do need to check out sometime.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: And uh, maybe take a bone or two back for a souvenir. Or we not. Find a dumpster somewhere. Yeah. You know? Why right. not? Look what we brought you girls. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Lena Bone? No. Actually, it's a femur from a man named Charlie. We found him in a... <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Shelby writes in, Every Christmas season, I'd always ask my father to tell me the ghost story of the man he met on the side of the road one snowy night. He said it was around Christmas time, and he was coming home late one night and was freezing. Negative 32 degree weather. A blizzard was about to set in, and he needed to make it home. On his route home, he had to go through a stretch of dirt road on the reservation. All there are are dirt roads. It was 4 a.m., no other vehicle on the road as everyone knew better than to travel. He began to have car trouble and had to pull over. He knew he was in trouble because there were no homes anywhere near. Cell phones were out of the question at this time, so he thought, I'm going to have to keep warm, try to save the rest of the gas, and wait it out. He grabbed his beer from the back seat and began to drink. Why not? He had to wait out for who knows how long, when suddenly someone knocked at his passenger door window and said, Who could that be? Nobody's out there. Maybe he's going to help me, but where's his vehicle? He unlocked the door, and the man opens the door and gets in his car. He's wearing black boots, a long black trench coat, and was not properly dressed for the wicked temperatures. My dad thought this was weird. He asked the man, Where did you come from? Who are you? Why are you dressed like that? The man always had to answer that which would avoid each question. My dad was already feeling it and says, Well, here, have a beer. The man has a beer with him and then insists that they should talk to the nearest, walk to the nearest house for help. My dad told him there were no houses nearby. I know we are. We can't leave the car and we could freeze. The man says, Look at that light up the road. It's a home. It's not that far. My dad did not see that light at all before. This was all new to him. The man convinced my father to walk. He said, I'll walk with you. They both begin to walk away from the car. The road is wet and slushy, but is beginning to freeze quickly. It was starting to snow off and on. My dad begins to freeze. He knew it was too cold, and he could yell at the man, it's too cold, let's go back. Turns around, runs back to the vehicle. Takes him forever to try to warm up, and finally he does. He's worried and wondering where that man went. He totally thought he was weird and he never saw him around this place before. Everyone knows everybody. My dad fell asleep for an hour or two. The sun was up and he woke up to someone knocking on his window. It was some help. He made it through the night. He got out of the car and was still wondering where that man was that he went with, too. He saw his frozen boot tracks on the road, walking away from the car, and then he realized there was only one set of tracks, only his own. He looked in the distance to see if he could see a home where that light was coming from. No homes were anywhere near, just fields all around. He swore he saw a home, a light, the night before. My dad believes the man who he was with was trying to take his life by showing up that night, trying to make him walk away from his vehicle. Around here, it's normal for people to freeze in a storm and lose their lives. We call him the man in black, who walks the reservations and catches rides, or who's seen walking in a ditch on the side of the road at night. Once in a while, he'll talk to people. Who knows what else he does. I'm happy my dad made it that night and turned around, because if he didn't, I possibly wouldn't be here to share and write this story. I hope you like my story. If you want to hear more Rez stories, just let me know. Love the show. I tell everyone about it. Shelbs. That
1: was a good one. Yeah. Could you imagine trying to walk across the frozen nowhere to get a house that's not even there? No.
0: No, I really can't. (laughs) I cannot contemplate that one at all.
1: No. I'm glad he went back.
0: That's interesting. I mean, normally when you hear ghost stories like that, you hear them and you think... Oh, this is, uh, you know, someone trying to to help you mm-hmm. and trying to do something good. Uh, it's rare that we hear the, you know, the person coming out in the storm trying to kill you. Yeah. You know, and very nonchalantly, too. You know, it's like, yeah, no, there's a house right there. I'd say come along with, you know. That's, yeah, that's very creepy. Our phone number is 855-853-4802. Colin, share your real ghost story with us. Rob writes in, Hey guys, I had a great time during the holidays with my family and shared some of the stories from your show with them. it sounded sound cool. My mom doesn't care too much for these stories, but my dad enjoyed them. We listened to a few episodes while waxing his bitchin' Camaro in the garage. I decided it'd be fun to share a story that he told me, since he doesn't really like computers or writing. When he was a kid, he stayed at my grandparents' house in Milwaukee. There were no photos, so I have no way to describe what it looked like, but my dad said it was a pretty big place. My grandparents both worked when my dad was a kid, so he and my aunts and uncles would do all sorts of unsupervised dumb things. My dad lost most of his front baby teeth one day after he uh, fell out of a tree, and it's one of those memories that his siblings would bring up as a joke, saying he had a smile like a jack-o'-lantern as a child. My grandparents said they kept all their baby teeth. That alone sounded kind of creepy, but I guess it was a normal thing people did back then. They kept them in different containers with their names on them, and my dad told me it was why he never believed in the tooth fairy after he found them and asked questions. I and my dad were similar. We were the kids who asked those questions instead of believing in those things. The strange thing that happened to him was when he was working a newspaper route as a teenager. He told me it was a snowy day riding his bike, but he felt sick to where he had to get off his bike and sit on the curb. He struggled to breathe and thought it was an asthma attack that he heard other kids had before it got so bad he was lying down and he was digging the snow away from him to lie down on concrete that he felt nothing but heat and he remembers feeling himself begin to sweat but after he rolled in the snow to rid himself of the heat it made him snap out of it He felt fine again and then he finished his newspaper route and he told me he was focused on getting home right away. When he rode back home he noticed smoke and it was actually his house that was on fire. This almost sounded impossible because he said there was at least a foot of snow at the time. The odds of it happening sounded too rare for the cold weather but it happened. This was a reason why we never had photos of that house because it burned down. My family was very fortunate to have the neighbors and other family members to help out. The fact that both my grandparents had jobs was also great, too. There was never a real setback for them, and because of their example, my family has never let money go to their heads and help each other out without questions. My dad thinks it's similar to voodoo dolls because of the teeth. Those things tend to have the hair of the victim on them. He's never experienced the same sensation or anything similar since. It was the only thing my dad said had no explanation, and he's not the type of person to make things up, much like how we both never fell for the tooth fairy, Easter Bunny, or other things that most kids seem to fall for. I think it would make some sense that since they kept his teeth, that part of his body was still in the house, and he may have some way of still feeling he was in the house when it happened. He said the place wasn't haunted, but after it happened, he only remembers the house based on how everyone else does, almost as if he lived there. It makes me think that he had some spiritual attachment to it. The house wasn't burned down intentionally. It was caused by bad wiring in the house. They think it must have been a leak from melted snow that caused the fire to occur. My family grew very close after this because we were all glad that nobody was harmed. I really want to thank you guys for reading my stories and will submit much more. It's pretty cool to share stories, let alone get to have my dad hear them on your show for the holidays. You guys are great. Go Packers and F the Dallas Cowboys.
1: I think there might be some kind of a connection. I mean, that even though it's the only incident where he had anything unexplainable happen, mm-hmm. it's more of a, a connection type reaction. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Where one family member, you know, reacts the same way. Just, you know, it's almost genetic.
1: Yeah. Kind of like somewhat. that. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if it's that. I don't know if it's so much the baby teeth and the fire, mm-hmm. you know, with the voodoo doll type effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did your parents keep baby teeth? Yeah. Do you still have them? No. I think mine still have mine. They have a shrine to me in their house. Actually, there's this. I one. have Olivia's. Sure it's one of those things it's kind of odd you know i don't blame parents for keeping them i think it's what you do you know my parents kept mine and what do you ever do with them eventually
1: i don't know (laughs) i was just thinking about that it's
0: one of those things i remember my mom like as an adult showing me like an envelope It's like look at these like what is this oh it's your baby teeth oh okay that's kind of neat yeah, and then what?
1: I don't know. It is kind of creepy when you think about it. I it's, just I know yeah. my parents saved mine, so I just automatically saved sure. the girls, which Harper hasn't lost any yet. Sure.
0: Is it just for that that one conversation you have someday just to gross your kids up? Look what we still have, and then that's done. Then you've 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 had your purpose of saving the teeth. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to make, like, jewelry out of them, are you? No. I mean, what other... I, I don't know what the practical... I mean, I know it's sentimental purpose, but even that at some point, it's not like you break them out and, like, hold the teeth in your hands. Ooh, remember when they were so... Li-
1: <laughs> no, but it... You know, it's, it's like, it's really hard because it's almost like throwing away a part of your child. Sure. And it's throwing away a part of their babyhood. Not no, that it. it's wrong to throw them away because sure. you're right. There's no practical use yeah. for child. In- Baby teeth.
0: What I I think is kind of cute is saving like a lock of hair from when they're little. Uh huh. Like in a scrapbook or something. And then when, you know, that you can take a look at and like, you know, put, rub your finger on and when you're looking at a, a picture of them as a baby. Yeah. And like, oh, that's cute. You know, you feel that little softness. And this, it kind of brings you back. The teeth are like. <laughs>
1: And there's dried blood on yeah. them. And they're just kind it's of... It's
0: not as cute or not as no. like heartwarming as, oh, I remember when your hair was so soft and curly and, you know.
1: I will probably just show Olivia someday and be like, here, do what you want. And she'll probably just throw them away right there in front of me, <laughs> which is
0: fine. Probably. She's kind of like that with things. Yeah. She doesn't have the sentimentality with some things. Nope. That you think that she would. It's kind of... Which is, is... I don't know. I mean, maybe we just don't know what it is. I don't know. There, I don't know. There, there's some things she'll hang on to. You're like, why? And then some things that you really think she'd want to hang on to. It's like gone.
1: It is. It's yeah. very much like that. Or she'll make the. You know, she'll. T- she's the queen of writing on post-it notes, little tiny messages, yeah. and she wants you to save every single one. Yeah. It's like I drew you a picture.
0: It's a circle.
1: It's a, it's a like, scribble. Like you're
0: eight. I yeah. mean, when you uh, when you're two, that's that's quite an accomplishment.
1: It, yeah.
0: At eight, yeah. But I, I actually, I saved a lot of her stuff that she's handed me over the years. Yeah. I have in a box back over here. I have a box too. Yeah. So I didn't save every single one of them, but <laughs> I saved a good deal. That's good. Sammy writes in, uh, Hope this email finds you well. My name is Sammy. I'm a photographer located in Columbus, Georgia. I'm a newbie to your podcast. Just discovered podcasts, honestly, and you're my first subscription. Well, thank you. I'm writing in a ghost story, one of many, which I may write a book eventually based on the eyewitness accounts of the happenings on my family's property. Here's my biggest encounter. Enjoy. I grew up on my family's property in the town of uh, Talbot County which uh, has been around since the early 1900s. My family's land was once the site of Native Americans and a site of a hanging back in the slavery days. My grandparents raised 13 kids in a hand-built cabin-styled house. He supported his family with a barbershop also on the property, of which he built himself. Well, there was a lot of history on this land of which haunted generations of my family. When my mom divorced my dad, we moved back in with my grandparents in the early 80s. We remained there until she remarried a soldier in the early 90s. My first ghost encounter happened one evening while visiting my grandparents. I and my mom shared a room, and I slept on an inflatable mattress. I woke up abruptly from a nightmare to this weird breathing in my left ear. The air was heavy, and I could not move. I remember looking around the room and seeing my mom switching between news channels following the desert storm updates as my stepdad was a part of it and she worried. As I struggled to move, I realized there was something else in the room. A dark hooded figure without a face or limbs. Where his face was supposed to be, there was pure darkness. I instantly started praying, which came out as a whisper, if not at all. It eventually melted into the background as I regained my ability to move. I never told my family my story because my grandmother would always tell me that the devil would get me if I was bad, and if I told anyone they would probably say I did something wrong and force me to go to church. Years passed and I encountered the shadowy being a few more times, but it seemed to follow me from home to home, a characteristic that typical ghosts don't have. Even the in, even to El Paso, it followed me. One day, we had a family get-together at my grandparents' house. As it got darker, they discussed sleeping arrangements, and they all refused to sleep in the one particular bedroom. It wasn't long before they started talking about the shadowy figure that they had all encountered when sleeping in that room. They described it as a faceless grim reaper that drifted like a lifeless doll on strings across the room to their bedside. It would lean over them and breathe on them. As they shivered in terror, helpless and unable to call for help, my heart raced when they described the same encounter I had, only they didn't pray and the beings actually attacked them. It was a relief to know I wasn't alone, but also frightening to know that it wasn't a dream. I discovered what the shadowy beings were when I took a ghost tour in Savannah, Georgia. The guide talked about hags, dark shadowy beings that are, attracted to, that are attracted to sites with a dark past that seem to enjoy following people home, giving them nightmares and feeding off their energy. I still experience what I now know as sleep paralysis, only I'm smart enough to not look around the room now. The encounters I had with this and my reoccurring nightmares inspired me to recreate my nightmares as part of my photography thesis project titled "Little Slices of Death: Nightmares and Dreams." One of the images was selected by Ron Howard, Ava Longoria, and Biz Stone as part of Canon's project Imagination. Uh, and there's a link here to uh, to check that out. very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's it's really we should put the link up. It's really neat to go check that out.
0: Yeah, it's a great piece of photography there. It is. Um, we will we'll put that uh, a link up so people can check that out. Thanks for writing it and sharing your story. What do you think?
1: I the thing that I'm most worried about is the part where he said he went to or that he learned in Savannah about the shadow people giving him nightmares and following people <laughs> home is <was> like great. <laughs> Something to look forward to next month.
0: Wouldn't that be exciting? No. We could get our own shadow person, honey. No, we
1: Very don't own. We don't need one.
0: My little shadow person. No. <laughs> my shadow person, my shadow person, my shadow person and me. Like my buddy. That's just wrong. <laughs> New from Galoob. Remember Galoob? No. It was a toy company. I don't know if it's still around or not. Huh. It like made a lot of real kind of chintzy little toys like that. I don't know if Kalub made my buddy or was Mattel. I don't remember. Anyhow, anyway. <laughs> Any, um, uh, Alicia writes in first. I want to start by giving background information about my current place of residence. The house is a little over 100 years old and it's located in Los Angeles, California. Been living at the residence over five years, the energy of the place feels negative and depressing. I'll explain more in detail in another story. From what I gather, it used to be a complex housing. Of course, the names have been changed due to privacy. Now back to the story. One afternoon in the spring of 2012, I was cooking lunch for my fiancé, Danny. Danny decided to come to the kitchen to tell me what else he wanted for lunch, to which I told him, no, I wasn't going to make two different lunches. He walks out of the room a few minutes later, came right back to the kitchen to goof around with me again. He leaves the room 20 minutes later as I was draining the water from the pasta. I saw from the corner of my eye Danny walking to the bathroom. I decided to go scare him when he comes out. I waited for about five minutes, got annoyed and left. I went to my bedroom for some reason. I forgot what I needed from the room. I was shocked to see him seated on the bed watching TV. I shouted, what the heck? You were in the bathroom. He said, are you okay? I responded, are you messing with me? His facial expression seems confused. No, I wasn't. How can I pull off that prank? Of course I believed him. started to realize I never heard the bathroom door open. It creaks. Nor saw the details of this man. The spirit or thing looked like a normal person that was the same height as my fiance. What could it be? Was my mind playing tricks on me or was it a spirit?
1: I think it was a spirit, and I think um, she just didn't realize it wasn't her fiance. Doppelganger? I don't know if it was a doppelganger or if it was just a glance that she saw a man going in the bathroom, and automatically you would assume it's the man that's in the home with you.
0: Since it wasn't such a detailed,
1: yeah, look, she, she probably yeah. saw the back of him just going into the bathroom.
0: Makes sense. I'm gonna go with spirit. Yeah. Shana Ray, Renee writes in, or Shanna Renee writes in, my boyfriend and I went out ghost hunting, (laughs) excuse me, just for fun one night. We went to this walking trail that was close to the highway. Once we got back onto the main road, we decided to walk onto the bridge that went over the creek. I stood on the south side of the bridge looking over to the side at the water. I suddenly felt my chest getting tight. I was starting to gasp for air. I felt something around my neck like a noose. I felt like I was being hanged. I didn't know what had really happened when we were there. Once we got back to my place, my boyfriend was talking to someone who was also into the paranormal, and they said someone hung themselves on that bridge. I'm not sure if it's actually true, but it does fit with what I was feeling on the bridge.
1: It makes sense to me. <clears throat> I don't know if it was the spirit trying to make you feel what they felt, or it was just like an like a, a residual energy or what that might be.
0: I don't know what to think of that.
1: I don't know either.
0: Because um, you'd think if the person, you know, well, if they hung themselves, probably not too happy. I don't know that they're necessarily out for vengeance on other folks. But uh, if it is just a legend or something of some sort, maybe they just want it to be known and be. as real. Yeah. And not just a legend.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, just a thought I don't know It's, it's that's a, a difficult one the phone number here is 855-853-4802 if you'd like to call in your real ghost story or of course you are always welcome to share your real ghost stories with us through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com 24 hours a day 7 days a week and if you like the show well by golly consider supporting it and keeping it on the air you like the use of the word by golly
1: by golly yes by
0: golly uh, that $5 a month donation keeps the show going and and you get a bonus episode every single week if you do it for the full year that's uh, 52 bonus episodes because there's 52 weeks in a year 365 days and 52 weeks in a year
1: how many feet in a mile
0: well if you divide those up into 212 months shall I say their names for you to hear no this is how I remember the days of the year and the how many weeks and the months. A first grade song taught to me by Mrs. Lauber.
1: And you skip over my question.
0: What was your question?
1: How many feet in a mile? No clue. 5,280.
0: See, you're the one who got A's. I just paid attention in first grade and stopped after that.
1: Got you pretty far. Worked
0: out pretty well, actually.
1: Yep. So. <laughs>
0: Ah, yes. Until next time, for Jenny Brusky, I'm Tony Brusky. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.